I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Of course, there will be days when the creditor will, might not even want to lend you money anymore. But it's all right. Another creditor will take, it, take his place, no? Because your uh, name in the industry will always be a something that's very nice to say. Na nagbabayad yan, marunong yung magbayad, hindi na kalimot na utang. That's important. So be very transparent and uh, honest with your creditors. And number five, and this might be uh, self-serving for my association, be a member of Sheda. Good evening. This is RJ Ledesma. Welcome back to another RJ Ledesma podcast. I hope you're all enjoying your forced stay at home. Again, please do stay safe and stay healthy. Here on the RJ Ledesma podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs and learn more about how they think about business. What are their success secrets? And can we help hack those secrets as well? How they have innovated their businesses during this pandemic and more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in the new normal and in the next normal? Is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please do let me know. Just drop me a message. We are also live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV, Global Pinas TV, and now the Bounce Back Network. Tonight, I have somebody who is an institution when it comes to real estate development here in the Philippines. I'm very privileged. Uh, to be part of the Board of Governors together with him at the Subdivision and Housing Developers Association. His name is Marin Martinez, and he is the chairman of 8990 Homes Development Corporation. Now, Marin has, is a veteran with over two decades of experience in the low-cost housing industry and was formerly a national president of the Subdivision and Housing Developers Association, which is the largest national organization of subdivision and housing developers here in the Philippines. And just as a little teaser note, uh, later on next week, we'll be having our Sheda Masterclass, where Marie will further elucidate and clarify for many of you who are aspiring uh, real estate developers or even entrepreneurs, really the process of real estate development, where he will share with us his insights on how to become a successful or at least become a real estate developer in the first place. Now, just to let you know a bit more about 8990, uh, 1890 began very modestly in 1991 in Cagayan de Oro. Uh, after that, when they moved on to doing a project in Cebu City, then from Cebu, they went on to Davao, then they moved on to Luzon, then Angeles, Pampanga, then Cavite, then eventually Metro Manila. In 2003, the company became officially 8990 Homes Development Corporation. This was established together with Marin and his partners, JG Attention and Luis Yu to become the country's largest mass housing developer. 
But the more interesting question I really want to ask right now to my good friend Marin is, given this pandemic, how is 8990 doing? Again, let's please welcome here on my show. Very happy to have him, Mr. Marin Martinez. Let's give him a round of applause. Marin, thank you so much for joining me here on the RJ Ledesma podcast. Hi, RJ, and thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. But, but before I start, no, I want to ask you a question uh, before we start. Like, uh, the big question over here with 8990 you know, is really uh, pre-pandemic. I, I read up earlier on that you guys were doing double-digit growth in 2019 um, for 8990. And, and right now, from what I understand, amidst this pandemic, you guys are actually hitting pre-pandemic record, record numbers in terms, terms of sales. How, what, what's happening? What are you guys doing to maintain or even grow your sales? Well, we're doing what I think all the other developers are doing, which is basically we made sure that we had the inventory so that in case buyers would look at our projects, there would be projects where they could transfer to right away. So uh, we had two strategic projects, one in Manila and uh, another in Cavite, uh, where the units were, even during the pandemic, even during the lockdowns, we were allowed to construct our units. So number one is because we had the inventory. Number two, we made sure about our uh, links to lenders, specifically Pagibig, as well as the banks. And uh, we would always uh, advise our buyers to, to go and look at the Pagibig lending policies and see if they would fit in something like that. And then thirdly, because we knew that buyers were always uh, having problems on pay the payment of equity, we did not increase our equity down payments. We still remain between uh, three to six percent in terms of equity. So I think is that a secret? I don't think it's a secret. It's just that the buyers appreciated the fact that they could transfer immediately to their homes because the utilities were there, uh, the lending facility was there. They could. Uh, borrow from Pagibig or borrow from the banks that we had been accredited to. Um, so I think that's it. I think maybe um, a third leg would always be, of course, our our sales force. So we would equip our sales force adequately so that they could still do their selling even online. And I think that helped a lot because we recognized the fact and we did that very early on. We did online sales and I think everybody else is doing it already. But uh, I think we were very fast on the draw in that event. Well, was it a difficult pivot, especially for your salespeople to go online? Because, you know, especially to, to my mind, when you do low-cost housing, that's a lot of actually face-to-face -face contact. A lot of, you know, it's, it's very low-tech, meaning it's, it's a lot of flyering, it's a lot of calling people. Um, did they have, did, was there a lot of adjustments to be made, especially for your team to go back and, and market to the, to the mass market housing segment? Yes, certainly. Of course, they had to adjust because... Most of the time, they used their uh, so, uh, social social streams basically for chit chat, uh, hi to the family, and all of that. Uh, until, of course, by force, they discover the world of online selling, right? So they their Facebooks uh, eventually became their their way of uh, uh, one of their ways of selling. Uh, they would also do their own adverts. They would go on YouTube and then uh, upload that and and become their own advertising companies, uh, advertising our products. But I think basically it's all about uh, empowering them. So whenever there was a question, for example, of budgets, no, in so far as uh, a better connectivity, a faster connectivity, 
we were there. We were always holding our hands because we wanted to assure them that 8990 uh, uh, was very, very particular about them making commissions. And uh, again, that was another thing. No? We were very uh, assiduously, our, we told our uh, accounting, accounting to department to always prioritize commissions so that our agents will always be empowered so that they will always be encouraged to sell. Now, um, having said that, um, we know that I, I, we love the adjustments, like you said, no? uh, maybe for many other people, uh, you know, they were wondering how people sell a lot. Like you said, you were just stuck to your formula, meaning that you made sure that there was inventory available, that there was financing available, and of course, the agents were properly incentivized. Plus, of course, uh, there was a social media support how has this pandemic particularly affected the way that you guys plan to move forward? Do you plan to do any sort of, did, did you get any insights uh, that you will pivot towards as a result of this pandemic in terms of, I guess, even in terms of demand, in terms of uh, housing strategy, construction, in terms of, uh, in terms of going out to the clients? What's going to be changing as a result of this pandemic for you guys? You know, uh, we've noticed, no, it's so far as buyers are concerned. And remember, we go from different uh, levels. No? We start with our 520,000 houses all the way to close to about 2 million peso condominium units. And it's the same always uh, from, that, from that range. No? The buyer would always want to know, when can I transfer? Mm -hmm. So it became very, very important to be able to make sure that by the time we hit the ground, a lot of the condominium buildings, a lot of the units that were for sale was up. At least it was not yet up, meaning to say yung mga RFO, we would have enough units to say that by one month, we would have accomplished this much and that much and that much. And I think the consistency of our message to them and the fact that in reality, they were really able to transfer to their units because you know what? the pandemic has shown before there was no real impetus for them if they could stay with their uh, families or their uh, okay, okay right okay. okay so it became very very important uh, to be able to protect your own space right so if you're a nuclear family meaning to say mm -hmm. you your wife and maybe your firstborn or your first child or your second child it was very important to find your own space so that at least in terms of protection and security from the from the virus, you could plan your own your own space. No, I think that became very clear. And then secondly, another one was when the lockdown started among cities, uh, and I'm uh, one particular city that stuck out was Bacolod, mm -hmm. because when they started to uh, what do you call that to lockdown, a lot of people of course work in Bacolod, right? But they because transportation is easier there, they would go home to Silay or they would go home to adjoining cities. When the lockdown happened, they couldn't come to work. And again, that was a realization uh, anyway, we have some savings, we have some money, and there's a developer who's willing to, to let us transfer right away in their units. And we are members of Pagibig. We can take out a loan with Pagibig. Oh. So... In, in Bacolod, for example, there was one crazy month, I think, where they made a sale of close to about 150 units. Wow. And this was right smack uh, during a lockdown and during uh, one of those hardest lockdowns. No, uh, It comes to, to uh, it comes to you in different ways. Eh? So that, is a, that was a very strong impetus. Uh, another thing so, that happened is, mm -hmm. of course, 
the the preference now to buy a condo unit in the city rather than having to travel a far distance and then it takes about two sometimes two sometimes three hours of your life so that's uh, four to six hours of your life a day so and then they considered how much it would cost for transportation so again that became another reason why why not we just take a unit here let's stay here from monday to friday and then saturday we can go home and then come back again on monday so, so, so we have a particular project in edsa yeah. that seemed to answer that and this mm -hmm. is what we call pods the edsa tower pods in edsa and they were uh small they were about 13.5 square meters no but that is exactly what that model was all about. We wanted to service the uh, call centers at, in the beginning and then the BPOs. And then it, it uh, caught on very fast. In fact, that building of about 987 units was sold out very fast. I was so surprised with that. And if you go there today, it's, uh, it's there, it's being used and exactly for that. So one way of attracting the would-be buyer was to tell him, buy a unit, Yes, it's going to be expensive. It's going to be something like a million one hundred thousand. But what you can do to help you pay for the mortgage is to put a double bunk, and your your favorite kaibigan in your BPO or somebody a relative of yours, you can rent out the bunk, and uh, the the payment, the monthly payment from that bunk or from that bed from that person who stays with you. Uh, helps in the payment of your of your monthly amortization with pag-ibig or with the bank. So, pa paano so, siya ginagamit ngayon? Paano, paano siya ginagamit ngayon, Marin, na pandemic? Is it being, are these, the ETSA units being, the ETSA condo being used right now? If you can't share it technically? Yes, they're still being used right now. In fact, the, out of uh, 987 units, if I'm not mistaken, about 670 of them are actually lived wow. by the buyer. Uh, some of them, of course, have rented it out, but it's it's there. In fact, the the laundry shop in that in that establishment is very very strong, and that's how we, <laughs> we basically you have, you we own the laundry gave. franchise there, no? <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I mean there are sweet spots, no? RJ, you know this, naman eh. Sometimes mm -hmm. uh, you have to discover what it is. Um, when we started thinking about it, a lot of people were saying that's not gonna sell. I mean. How can you possibly sell something for 13 square meters? That's only as big as a parking lot. Uh, but again, uh, the naysayers were proven wrong. And in fact, people live there today. Wow. So what happened, I, I like what you're trying to say that sometimes that like some people, uh, the pandemic uh, accelerated digital transformation or digitalization. So you know, the pandemic because of the situation in the house, the uh, the living situation actually accelerated people moving into uh, some of your residential yeah. developments. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what happened to you guys there in Bacolod. Uh, one more question, if you don't mind, related to that one. Now, they often say that real estate is irreversible, meaning that you know when you build it, it's already there. How, how does it work now for, um, uh, let's say, for example, if, um, if, if, you know, especially right now, because uh, one of the worries if you're living in a condo is really the, the circulation. Because in pre-pandemic, yes. The circulation might not have been built for to, to withstand because sometimes they, people think that in condominium units it's more easy transferable because of the walkways because of the airways how is how is uh, how how is it adjusting your plans moving forward marin well the way to uh, to resolve that that dilemma of the fast transmission is of course to be very very vigilant in the checking no first of all 
who uh, they're very strict about strangers going up the units. I mean, you know, you can't just go up. You're a visitor, you have to log in. And then weekly, the PMO, I know, uh, they have all of the disinfecting procedures that they have. So I think they, they clean their elevators, I think four times a day. Uh, all, all, all of those features are part of the PMO and that's what we're, uh, we're strengthening not only in condominiums, actually, even in the subdivisions. And, you know, for some, it, it's a, but it, it's a bother because it inflicts on their budget, no? But we say that if we don't provide for this, for security, for uh, the people who clean the subdivision or the people who clean the building, in the long run, the sufferer is the one who buys because the value of his property goes down. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is preservation and we want to do enhancement so that, you know, you don't always want to live in a condo, right? There will be a day when maybe you are better, uh, better resourced in the sense that you have more resources and you would like to go down to terra firma and maybe buy a house and lot again. And you'd like to sell your unit or you'd like to rent it out. And mm -hmm. it's easier to rent out a unit when the people who do their diligence we'll see that everything is in place. The, pro the property management office is in place. The utilities are in place. The, the amenities are in place. No? So we yeah. try to beef up on that because we realize that the after, after sale is also very important, equally as important as the, the sale itself. Now, Marie, let's take a step back. I really want to look right, look right now uh, at the industry as a whole and what many people uh, don't realize, no? And wala sa itsura ni Marin, but Marin has sort of like an institutional memory of really real estate development and finance here in the Philippines in, in, the re in recent years. And especially he had a lot to do of, of you know, with, with real estate finance and development here in the Philippines as a former president of, uh, of SHEDA, especially of the Subdivision and Housing Developers Association, especially in the midst of our, of our crises. Uh, so I want to go step back a bit more and discuss uh, of, you know, how you put up uh, your first company, Marin. But before that, this is a very interesting uh, fact about you. you know, not many people know right now, but you were formerly a, uh, after college, you were a LaSalle brother. Is that right? You were a Christian brother? No, after high school, I joined. After high school? Yeah, oh, I wow. joined the Christian brothers the, or the ones who own the, the LaSalle system, right? Because from grade school all the way to high school, I was, a, uh, I was with LaSalle and I became enamored by the kind of lifestyle that the brothers had. So I did, I joined. I, I stayed there about almost six years. I was already teaching in the school in Lipa at that time. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Uh, if you don't mind, may I ask what made you decide to go back to the... Uh, to the uh, teaching, to... I didn't like teaching. <laughs> <laughs> it's as simple as that. After about a year and a half of teaching, I said, I can't do this. This is not for me. I see, I see. Yeah. Uh, but what, what did that, uh, if you don't mind, uh, usually we tell people, that's, that's a life-changing experience what you did uh, as, a, as a religious, as a member of the religious. How did that inform, I guess, your, your, your worldview moving forward when it came to doing, to doing business? Well, that meant that as early as 16 years old, I was separated from family. And you know, that's extreme loneliness when you're separated from a family, no? especially if a family that I had, a very close family. But... Um, since you had an objective and you had a goal and you wanted to see uh, what made this particular uh, what made this this particular man unique, uh, you trudged on and you stayed. And so, what I guess one of the big the best lessons from a life like that is uh, you have to think for yourself and you have to think very fast. Secondly, 
you develop a lot of patience because things don't come very fast when you're a religious. Basically, strengthens your faith. Because every day you ask yourself, ano bang ginagawa ko dito? Ba't ako nandito? <laughs> diba? It's, ano, eh? it's a life that's very difficult. It's not an easy life. Uh, you wake up as early as... Uh, I remember I was a bell ringer and I would have to wake up at uh, 4.30 so that I could ring the bell at, at uh, 4.45 so that everybody would have time to go to Mass at 5.15. And then you'd have to make your own bed, clean your own room. Uh, you'd have to clean the common toilets, the common showers, and you it was a regimented life, in other words, but you needed to go undergo that to understand uh, what it means to be a brother and to to be basically involved in a school, because you're going to be a, uh, what do you call it, an exemplar. You will be an, a model example to your students, right? So if there's anything I learned, I think it's, it's really about uh, the strengthening of religion. Uh, in my life and the patience that I've, I've learned to to have. I, th I think I'm a very patient man. <laughs> Still thinking of what career is best for you? My name is Pat Soyo. Check out my podcast where we answer questions and debunk job descriptions by interviewing professionals so we can put an end to our career search. This is Job Defined. Available on wherever you listen to your podcast. Powered by Podcast Network Asia. Because, you know, for many people who want to get into development, they often think, you know, there, there are many ways that people get into real estate development in the country. Uh, or how the story began. And, and some people, you know, malakas lang loob nila. Or some people, like I know from Kerwin Padba, uh, the family had, let's say, some some real estate that you know, uh, it, nobody was doing anything without about it. You wanna market it, so you, you start selling. So how did your story begin, Marin? How did you? How did well, you get into my the real story, business? my story began before I was born. Uh, it's as simple as that. I mean, uh, my parents, of course, are, and I suppose uh, some of you who are listening, your parents had undergone the war, no? So a lot of Metro Manila was, was burned, it was reduced to ashes, and all they had really were their uh, university degrees. At that time, in order to redevelop Manila, uh, the, by law, uh, a resource finance corporation was created. It was a law that was created in order uh, to help redevelop the Philippines, Rehabilitation Finance Corporation. RFC was the forerunner of the Development Bank of the Philippines. It morphed into DBP eventually. And uh, at those times, on the basis of your diploma, you could borrow a, uh, a, a non-collateralized loan. And with this loan, oh, you wow. could put up a house. So my family, at least my aunt and, and my mother, one of the things that they would do would be to buy properties in the Ermita and Malate area. Then they would put up a house and then they would sell it. So they were into buy and sell of real estate property. Uh, at that time, my grandmother was still alive. So we are a family, my, my parents anyway, my mother, she came from Bulacan. Uh, they came from a town called Pulo, Bulacan, which is now part of Valenzuela. And uh, at that time, when my, when my grandmother was still alive, because my grandfather had died very early, uh, they decided to pool their properties together instead of divide it among the four surviving children after the mm -hmm. war. 
So everybody agreed to pull it. And then they just began with a simple development and then they would sell lots in Bulacan. And this went on for a couple of years. Uh, after which uh, they became more and more knowledgeable about real estate. They decided to venture into uh, housing. So basically my daily allowance, my food, my school was paid through the sweat of those units that they would buy and sell. So even if I did not want to do anything with real estate, real estate was already part of me, diba? Right? Literally, uh, quite literally. Literally. Oh. I mean, that's how I graduated uh, until college when I graduated. And uh, so I was there. But I didn't want to do real estate, RJ. Like you, I wanted to trail, to blaze my own trail, diba? Right? We're, we're like that when we're at the age of about 20 all the way to maybe about 30. You feel that you you were created for something loftier than what your parents were doing or something like that. So I did. I, I did several things. I was in, uh, a sort of a small entrepreneur. I would buy and sell things. And then one day my father tells me over breakfast, what do you plan to do with your life? And I said, why? What's wrong with my life? <laughs> he, says, he says, there's no direction in your life. You have to put direction in your life. I, what do you mean? Get a job, you know, like, like what, what everybody else does. So you'll know what it means to earn a fixed income rather than uh, when, you, when you miss on something, you come crawling to me and asking me for money, right? And so that was basically my father's way of telling me, get out of my sight and do something, right? <laughs> so so I, I did, I applied. And then I got a job with a Japanese trading company, which was another milestone in my life. So I did, uh, and I left for Japan uh, after about three months. I was assigned in Tokyo. I worked there for about a year, a year and a half. Uh, and the trading company was basically a representative company, similar to to Marubeni, you know, that kind of uh, uh, saibatsu. And uh, they were basically representing shipbuilders in Japan. Because Japan, if you remember, in the 70s was starting to become an economic juggernaut, no? Yes, I remember. Oh. And uh, so we were all over the place. We were, the Philippines was a very poor market because it didn't really have enough money. So I was going from place to place and uh, we would entice either the Thai, the Thai Navy, uh, the Saudi Arabian Navy to have their their ships uh, bought uh, made in Japan and then we were there. And that lasted for about a year and a half. And then I decided I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, I don't want to live in Japan anymore. I wanted to go home, which I did. I, I went back home. And at that point in time, my auntie was basically the president of our family corporation, real estate corporation had brought in my cousin from the States. He had just finished taking his uh, master's at Santa Clara University in California. So my cousin needed uh, kumbaga, an assistant, and he saw me. Because he said, oh, wala ka namang ginagawa ngayon, di ba? You're just fresh <laughs> from Japan. Why don't you come here and help? And that was it. That was 1970, uh, late 1978. And from then on, I never looked back. So I stayed with my family until 1993. And then I did my own small development again on my own. And then I discovered 
my future partner. Actually, magkaibigan na kami because of Sheda. I was president of Sheda 19, if I'm not mistaken, 1990. And then when you, when you, when you were still with the, when you were still with the family business, that's right, no? When you were yes, still in your so family. Event. That was still Delfina Manos and. Uh, And then nobody wanted to become president, so I became president again for a second year. And then finally on my third year, that was probably 92, I became the chairman. And many things happened in Sheda, which of course you know, RJ, you've been a member of Sheda for such a long time. Sheda's always opened doors for many developers. Through Sheda, uh, going to Cebu often, doing the Cebu chapter visits, I met my future partner. Uh, Luis, uh, you know, uh, not knowing that sometime in 2008, I think, or 2005, we would become partners in one particular project in Bulacan. And Yoli knows this very well because I was taking out with Yoli in Pagibig at that time. It was so called, Yoli over uh, here, former member of Shedas, uh, also with Shed, the Board of Governors. Right. She was formerly in Pagibig. Uh. Yes, uh, Yoli was the Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the vice president uh, for housing also. So we would take out from her. Sa kanya kay Teng. So that was when I became very, very close to the Pag-ibig uh, takeout mechanism. Anyway, so I met him and, uh, you know, you know how it is. In Sheda kasi, especially during my time, I think it's still done today. It's a culture of sharing We're all together. We have common problems. Uh, we have, we probably have solutions, di ba? So there is a culture in Sheda of sharing those solutions. Maybe it's not the correct solution for you, but at least you will know how some others have coped with a particular situation. And this camaraderie and uh, and uh, brotherhood, sisterhood of Sheda, I think is what propels Sheda and makes it even stronger and stronger. But of course, it's a hard job, no? I can imagine what uh, Maya and what uh, all the other past presidents have, have gone through because it's really a difficult job. It's not easy. But over time, uh, see, Luis and I, we became more and more uh, involved in some other projects until finally we said to ourselves, na, you know, we want to do projects all over. We want to do projects in Luzon, in the Visayas, and Mindanao. So we decided to form a company. At that time, it was not yet 89.90. It was another company that we had formed. And then uh, after about a year or two, we decided to bring in a third partner. And that was when JJ came into the partnership. No? And this is, this is uh, for people who don't know, this, this is JJ Atencio, who right now uh, runs, uh, runs his own venture capital firm, right? right? Who was in real estate for many, many years. Oh. Correct. He was always involved in real estate also. And then uh, that was when we formed 8990. And then one fine day, Luis comes out with a proposition to us saying, would you like to bring this company public? And I really couldn't answer right away. I said, let me think about that. I mean, why do I want to show my face to all, my, all of these uh, public shareholders no? that, had no, mm. that never knew me from the beginning? But we figured that in the long run, if you wanted to attract capital, this was one of the best ways to do it, no? which we did. So in 2014, we finally listed Backdoor. So we bought an existing listed company. And we basically 
uh, increased the capital, we changed the purpose, then we changed the name. And the name is 8990 Holdings Incorporated. Uh, no? 8990 because there were many times we submitted names to, I think there's a group in the DTI who tells you whether this name is, uh, is possible or not. And they kept on coming back to us that this name is taken or sounds like another name, you can't have it. And at that time, the most uh, preferred phone <laughs> was a Nokia. <laughs> It 8990. Was a, it was an 89. If I remember correctly, it was 88 something. And Luis had suggested, or JJ, I don't remember, suggested, let's just change the number a bit para wala time problema sa copyright or patent or whatever. So that's how it was born. It became 8990 because we figured with a number, you can never go wrong. Nobody will ever have the same number that you have, right? And true enough. It was a, uh, we were given the go signal to use that name. And so 8990 was born officially and listed in the PSE in 20, May of 2014. So that, in a nutshell, basically uh, describes or uh, describes to you what my life story was all about no? in the field of real estate and why I am here today uh, talking to you about my own experience. I hope that this experience will be copied sometime. Some, I hope RJ copies my experience and brings himself to a situation where he can also become a listed company sometime in the future. Well, we're looking forward to much of your insight and your guidance, Marin, because like you said, it's a lot of sharing between members. That's why we're all here. In fact, uh, this Maya Kolaiko over here, Sheda Secretariat, has just volunteered to run for Sheda President. Coming up very, very soon. No? Uh, so, by the way, Marine, going back a bit more, no, uh, I want to think, because this is also very instructive for people who are, are entrepreneurs, because you have to put together a company where, you, you know, sometimes when you, when you come together with partners, you aren't sure if they are good partners for you for the long haul. Right? How did you know that it would be good to partner together with Luis and eventually bring in JJ into the company here as well? Tell, can, you, can, can you bring us a bit more into that thinking process of, how did you invite partnership and how did you agree? Because well, many people start apart from the partnership, uh, for, even for the partnership stage, then you make it or break it, eh, di ba? For many people. No, Sheda, I have to say that Sheda had a big hand in it, no? Sabi ko nga sa'yo, when we face problems, we go to peers, di ba? And we ask them for help. So in many occasions, uh, that was the situation. I was national president. There would be some problems that Luis would experience or I would experience, and we would share, uh, and we would have conversations on how to resolve it. And you know, when you do that, it's it's similar to I, I won't I won't say it's as intimate as a husband and wife, no, of course, but you know the process. You're married, Jay, uh, RJ, and you know that in conversations, especially conversations which basically touch your heart and your gut. Uh, there's no way of avoiding it. Eh? You have to tell the truth. Otherwise, you will never come up to a resolution that is good for you, diba? Right? In other mm. words, fakery is not is not <laughs> the desired face uh, <laughs> for a situation where your life, uh, your business life can go up in ashes or something like that. So you have to tell the truth, no? And, you know, as I share the president, kasi, you always have to figure out Ito bang problema na dinadala sa akin ng developer na to, na sinasabi niya, kasalanan ng lahat ng tao pero hindi siya. Totoo ba yun? Di ba? We always have to ask that question because uh, some people 
feel that the world owes them, eh? Diba? And there is nothing that they did wrong. But but over time, you will know that there are many missteps that happen, except the truth that doesn't want to show itself because it will, will reflect on the person, eh, no? But in the case of Luis, uh, I've no, never seen that, no? So, uh, because we would uh, be very, we would go with open hands to the persons or, in this case, I think it was a pag-ibig thing, eh? And uh, so we went to Pagibig. I remember it was still Shawnee Martinez, who was the uh, vice president then. And we told her the problem. We told her the situation. And much to our surprise, it wasn't really a problem. No? So sometimes kasi you create your own ghost, right? your own monsters. Mm -hmm. You think of a problem. Uh, what was small became suddenly such a big, insurmountable problem. But in fact, when you bring it to the person that you had to, it came out that it wasn't really that. No? So that is the process. The process of unraveling, the process of finding out more than what is said in terms of personality. You know, I'm a very, I don't react very fast to things that happen. I really take a step back and I really think and think about it before I make my reaction or even my statement or my answer. No? And Luis is like that also. He's not taken to uh, sudden outbursts, no? So in that sense, uh, patient person, I'm a patient man. There's a, always a problem, a problem that can always be solved. I'm also confident that even if I have a problem, I can always resolve it. So uh, those two things, when they meet and they entwine, it becomes a very good partnership, no? But of course, more than that, uh, Luis was in, uh, introduced me little by little, and I know that this was a part of it already. Eh? You know, the Chinese family is a very, very close-knit family, no? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I, I know a lot of Chinese families. So you don't ne necessarily get invited to the uh, relatives' uh, affairs, no? Not unless you're really a person that they consider to be trustworthy and a person that they would like others to meet. Uh, over time, I was being introduced uh, to my to his family, and over time, I was introducing him also to my family, and uh, it was basically a good a good uh, mix. And so, and you also brought in J you also brought in somebody else. He brought in uh, JJ. JJ, JJ oh, also became, after. after. Oh. Yeah, JJ also became president of Sheda. In fact, when I was president, he was one of the governors, so I got to know him very well, and we saw uh, JJ's managerial skill. And uh, that's basically the reason why we brought in JJ. He had a very strong managerial skill. And so he was able to grow the company also during those times because uh, uh, there was a point in our life when we had taken a back seat eh, somewhat. Uh, Luis had to do some, attend to some personal affairs. I also had to attend to some personal affairs. So basically there was a period where we would only be attending uh, quarterly meetings, board meetings, and the like. So JJ was uh, uh, basically uh, a person that we brought in because he had very strong management, you know, management drive. I see. I have a question. So right now, when you when you guys came together, you no, know, I mean, uh, so for some people, the perspective is that there's already so many big developers over there. Uh, I mean. You're competing against when 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 eighteen and ninety came up. Of course, Ayala was there, Mega World was there, uh, Camellia was there. What did you think that eighteen and ninety could do differently to compete in what would I what I would say is a, a market where all the big boys are also playing? And you were also going to develop nationwide. What was sort of like the difference that you guys would bring into the picture? 
Well, you always have to remember the market, no? So, as you know, the Philippine market uh, is a very big market. You have, you still have a uh, 5.5 million units of backlog. So, in other words, if you just do your homework and you're able to buy a good property, uh, there is some amount of certainty that you will be able to sell your house and lot unit. Mm -hmm. In our case, we just saw the formula as very simple. And I'm going to have to introduce another milestone no, uh, in my own life. Uh, we were doing exclusively from 2014 to, I think, 20... I don't remember now where, when that debacle of uh, Globe Asiatic happened. Mm -hmm. okay. But we were doing exclusively pag-ibig takeouts. We knew there were banks who were also handling, for example, contract to sell financing or even... Uh, real estate mortgages, no? So the, the retail portions of the bank. But we were doing uh, pag-ibig takeouts because, remember, there was a program that uh, Shedda had spearheaded and it was called the CTS 2000 program. Yes. We had negotiated for that and the people behind me there were, or together with me, I'm saying, I'm sorry, is uh, Jody Guzman, Noel Gonzalez, uh, Jerry Choa, myself, um, and uh, I forget now who the others were. But, but for, for, for people listening to me, right? For people listening to us right now, those names are all stalwarts in the industry. So uh, we'll get them in the show later on. No? Yeah, I'm sure you will. No? And you'll get their own version of the things that happened. But anyway, uh, during this time, the EVP of uh, Pagibig was Manny Crisostomo, okay, who also became Shedda president. That's know? right. And uh, to him was when we laid out the program of uh, CTS takeout. And the president before was, this was during the time of era, and the president was Ramon Palma Hill. In about 10 months, we were able to craft a program together with Sheda, uh, together with Pagibig, where Pagibig, on the basis of a guarantee from the developer, was willing to take out the developer and then he would do their post-audit after the takeout. And this went on very, very nicely for many, many months, no? I mean, many years, until a rogue developer nga decided to do it differently. So, you know the history of what happened with Delphine Lee, right? I, I, I do, oh, but, but maybe we should, let, let's, let's enlighten people who might, who might not be familiar with the situation. Oh. Yeah, so he basically took advantage of that program by, uh, by sending in names which uh, Pagibis was saying was non-existent. So he was able to take out on the basis of non-existent names. Uh, and there were cases, I think, that some, some units were sold twice or something like that. In other words, it became a big uh, fiasco. It became a big scandal. Mm -hmm. So in the end, it was closed. The program was closed. And because of that, we were at a crossroad. And that crossroad is, what are we going to do? Because we are a low-cost housing developer whose main uh, takeout mechanism was Pagibig. So looking at that abyss, and you know that abyss is really dark. It's really mm -hmm. dark. And you don't know whether you should jump or you should stay where you are. Uh, but the three of us decided that we would jump. I mean, because we felt, I had 30 years of experience. Luis had the same, 30. JJ, I think, had something like 15 or 20. So if you put all of those years of experience together, that's practically about 80 years of experience, diba? So that gave you the confidence that whatever it is, 
whatever uh, comes our way, we will have a, a way to, to either solve it, to either jump over it, or to come up with a different program, which is what we did. So what is that program? And RJ, this is not a secret because many other developers do it. We basically have a precast uh, system. It's uh, homegrown. We designed it ourselves. And with that system, for as long as we are able to lay the, the molds in the manner that we felt our sales would, would go, we could make as many as 200 units a month. No? So basically, it's a steel mold. You pour the cement, you put on the skeleton of all the steel bars. You make sure that the strength of that panel or that slab is very strong. And then you have cranes moving all over the subdivision, putting them up together like Lego. Right? Uh, so what would go ahead, of course, is land development. We would construct the roads. We would construct the drainage and the water systems so that we could actually tell the buyer uh, day one of choose your lot. This is the block and lot that has been identified for housing already. Choose your lot and we guarantee you in less than two months you can transfer already. So basically that is the uh, turning point for a buyer. Because with the others, ang hinihingi nila malaking down payment. So some will ask for 10, for 20, for 30% before they actually mobilize and bring the first hollow block to put up your house. Mm -hmm. Because to them, that means that there is every intention on the part of the buyer to really continue payments on that house and lot. I, we chose to take a different uh, approach, inter interpretation, of, interpretation of that. No? We felt that if we put the buyers uh, with the houses in that in the hands of the buyers and he's able to transfer, and for as long as, that, as he is qualified, and this is where we're very strong, we really qualify the buyer. We basically look at income. We basically look at payment history. We look at his uh, contribution to Pag-ibig, if he still wants to use Pag-ibig. And uh, only and only when he is qualified will he be allowed to pay only 3%, 5% or 6% of a down payment. And so if the house is only 700,000, even at 6%, that's only 42,000 RJ. And we still give him uh, three to four months to pay that off. So what is the situation of the buyer? Instead of being burdened by two payments, one, the payment to his rental because he's still renting. And mm -hmm. the second one is the down payment to the developer. He's able to shift right away from his rental to an amortization, diba? And the fact that I can deliver the house to him uh, rapidly uh, cements that. So basically, that that is the whole gamut of this thing. Eh? And this is something that you have to consider because nga, whereas before I could wait, no? I couldn't wait anymore. I mean, I had the land bank. We had spent some money for that land bank. We had the technology. If we had to borrow, uh, fortunately, the banks were still willing to lend to us because we've been longtime customers of the bank. So we capitalized ourselves very well. We, we put up all of those uh, equipment and resources that we needed. We had to make sure that our uh, personnel, especially in the credit collection department, really knew their, uh, how to qualify uh, and basically make sure that the buyers were qualified to take out loans whether in-house or pag-ibig or through the monks. That's it. Wow. I don't think I'm doing anything different from what 
Bansan, Jerry, Pete, I think they're all doing the same thing. Maybe yeah. doon lang kami nagkakaiba sa uh, fast turnover. But now, everybody has a faster turnover kasi do- nagbibuild up na yung inventaryo. Eh. Wow. Hey there! My name is Chloe. Just dropping by this podcast to tell you that I'm on one too. It's called The Great Connections Podcast. Over there, we talk about the lives of Filipinos overseas at ang diskarte sa buhay OFW. So go ahead and listen to The Great Connections Podcast after you finish this episode, okay? The Great Connections Podcast is available on all major podcast platforms. See you there! The Great Connections Podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Marin, you know, I I wish we had more time, but we we still do, no? But then I want to move a bit forward in this discussion because many people are also listening here right now for, you know, um, the last time Jerry was here, you know, a lot of lessons, part of life lessons in real estate were, were, were shared with us over here from, from our friends and uh, pro friends. If there were like three to five things that you could share about, you know, what lessons have you learned in your 30 plus years in real estate? And you could probably distill them into, you know, short, short insights that they could, they, they could gain. Parang, let's not walk this way again. What are these lessons you'd want to share with some of these uh, people listening right now? Aspiring first, entrepreneurs or, or, or even current real estate developers? Oh. The first one, of course, is always trust your partner. Trust your partner because he, two heads or three heads are better than one, number one. Number two, trust your people. No? Empower them. Train them so that they'll do the right thing because you're not always there, especially when you become bigger. Number three, Look at the property. Don't buy a property at, on a snap. You really have to diligence that property and you have to make sure that that property uh, is something that if uh, that your buyers will design, uh, will desire, no? Uh, number four, be, uh, no, be honest and be, be transparent with your creditors. They will appreciate that. Of course, there will be days when the creditor will, might not even want to lend you money anymore, but it's all right. Another creditor will take it, take his place, no? Because your your uh, name in the industry will always be a something that's very nice to say. Na nagbabayad jan, marunong yung magbayad. Hindi na kalimot na utang. That's important. So be very transparent and uh, honest with your creditors. And number five, and this might be uh, self-serving for my association. Be a member of Sheda. I mean, you have to be a member of Sheda if you want to learn the ropes because everybody 
who matters in real estate is there. You have the, the big wigs there. You have the Ayalas there, the Robinsons. You have the the experience of the Choas, the Felix, the Rosie Chai, uh, the Arledesma. You know, <laughs> if you stay in in a in a seminar, well, even in the conferences, you just sit around with your fellow governors or officers. And dami mo na matututunan doon. Eh. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, RJ, I mean, that's that's how I started. Huh? I was just a a person who was attending Sheda. At that time, it was not called Sheda. It was called Subdivision Owners Association of the Philippines. We were uh, no, so a lot of people were mistaking us for as uh, soap or uh, some kind of industry representative, no. But uh, constant, uh, no, interaction with the people in the industry, because through Sheda you will meet Pagibig. Through Sheda you will meet Dishud. Uh, through Sheda you will That's meet right. banks. Through Sheda you will meet other developers, diba? I think that's, that's right. the number five. Yan. Para sa akin, that's one of the top five. Be a member of Sheda. Many people feel, let's say, for example, there is a big housing backlog. But at the same time, you know, they feel that you know, there's a lot of people with more capital, more resources, more resources than me. Is real estate still an industry for a startup or an aspiring entrepreneur to enter uh, right now and, and help develop? How do you, if you know, if you were like in, in, in our shoes right now, in, in the in the shoes of somebody who's just starting off, is there still an opportunity to to help uh, to, to to at least blossom in this industry or to find a niche in this industry? You know what, RJ, coming from a meeting at uh, I forget now, but that was at a tower club. No, I remember Luis and I just had a meeting with somebody in the tower club, and when we went down the elevator, ang nakasama namin si. Uh, Professor Stanislaw, you, you know him, no? Yes, Stanislaw, yes. Oh. Yeah, he was also former president of BBP. And he's a very, very amiable person. So he was saying, oh, I, I seem to know you guys. What are you doing here? So sabi namin, we just came from a meeting. It's all about housing and all of that. And he said, you know, you guys are very well placed because of the backlog. and But more significantly because of mothers-in-law. And Luis and I <laughs> slowly started turning at him, not figuring out, trying to figure out is this guy who's normally a very formal person telling us a joke. And in fact, he was. <laughs> he said, for as long as there are mothers-in-law, there will be a market. Remember that. <laughs> uh, okay, I got it. I just got it now. <laughs> it took me some time and I had to imagine, okay. okay. <laughs> so... Uh, yes, there's always there's always room, and I'm saying RJ, you know, you don't have to begin big. If you're going to learn something, you might as well learn it. If you know, if you're going to make a good go of it, then obviously it's going to require all of your attention, right? If you just want to sort of uh, you know uh, be a a sometime developer, but more this guy or this other hobby then this is the best way to fail, diba? You just do a 10-unit one, one, a project, a 5-unit project, uh, para lang maintindihan mo. Kasi the first thing that you have to, the, the, the rules are there. Eh. All the rules are already written either by law or by the should. Uh, the banks are there. They know the industry very well. They know that one day you will probably go there to borrow from them. And they know already the, the template for uh, loans with regards to real estate. But what you haven't discovered 
is how to market. Kasi you can build the best looking house. You can do the best looking building. Pero kung, kung hindi ka marunong magbenta, RJ, walang mangyayari sa'yo. And the only way to do that is to actually sell the units yourself. And then you will learn. You will learn from the different kinds of people that will come. And then you will know who your market is. Once you know who your market is, then you can decide. Hindi ko type itong mga naka-jeep or mga naka-tricycle. Gusto ko yung mas may kaya, di ba? So you go middle market. So you go in the range of about 3 million all the way to 10 million, di ba? And you want talaga the super-super. Kasi you want to see your customers arrive in their Mercedes-Benz, in their BMW, and you concentrate on the, ano, on the, I'd say, 20, 30, 40, 100 million and above, di ba? If you have the capital. But at the end of the day, who do you want to market your project to? Ako, I, as I've always said, because some people will tell me, why do you want to remain in the low-cost market? And my answer is very simple. Because that's where the big market is. And that's where the need is. I don't want to sell to speculators or just investors where they will buy five of my units and then it will be not lived in, diba? Right? I'd right. rather sell to people who will actually live in that house and become homeowners and provide housing for their children and their, and their family. I think that there, that was another point pala why Luis and I clicked right away because that was it. We had the same Uh, particular uh, preference for low cost. And that's why we continue to do low cost. So um, after six months of production, we we were able to sell about nine, almost 9,000 units uh, of uh, low cost units all over the country. No? So this is a testament to our commitment. We, we make sure that we have enough in terms of inventory for, for those types of income. Yeah. Here, let's make the conversation a bit more juicier right now, Marino, because I, I know that 8990 is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big company here right now. You're having developments all over the country. And I, I know as an entrepreneur like myself, no, in your head, you know, you, your mind is always kind of busy with, there are so many opportunities which I can still do, but you know, I just don't have the time nor the resources to get into them. Uh, what are these opportunities that you were seeing emerging in the real estate industry? That you know, if you had the time or the effort, that you would still be getting into. I know that there's a lot. I mean, there's there's different segments. There are different uh, places to play in. There are different uh, you know. There's a whole process that you can play in when it comes to real estate. What are you seeing as good good places for people to still grow in the industry? In real estate, of course, the easiest way to enter real estate is to become a a broker, diba? Right? So you will get in touch with many other developers. And if you do your brokerage well and you hire the correct people, uh, so I know some people have, who have become more than millionaires just selling our units because they've employed uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of agents and they pay their agents well. Plus they, they solely market us knowing that we will always have the inventory. So real estate uh, brokering or sales is always a good way to start. Another one is the provision of services, for example. So there are some companies that exclusively manage water systems. We also have a company like that. Uh, so these are service-oriented companies. No? Uh, so you do your, your, there are fees to this, and this is how you earn. So again, that is another example of a volume business. Uh, the, other, the other facets that 
you know, might be interesting for would-be entrepreneurs who want to do real estate but don't want to do the development itself is uh, there is also, I know there are some people now who basically market themselves to do the end part, meaning to say conversions, no? Meaning to say the documents that have to be transferred into the buyer's names. Uh, because that uh, usually also requires a lot of people. Some, some people have segmented that and give it to professionals who can take care of it, no? How about specific areas? In the, are there specific areas in the country which could still use more developers? I mean, because like you said, it's a, it's a big market, it's a big housing backlog. Are you seeing specific areas, specific niches, specific geographies, uh, types of units that, that you think uh, still have an opportunity for, for, for people to play in? Well, we think as a, as a group, we think that if you, you cannot be too far away from the urban area. So how many cities do we have in the Philippines? I think we have something like 104 cities and municipalities. So, but if you, if you go, and normally what we do is we use the Pag-ibig uh, Pag data list, no? They will tell us where the concentration of members are. Like, for so example, you go to Subic, maraming members dyan. You go to Malolos, mm. maraming members dyan, no? So, since your market is also clearly going to be Pag-ibig members, you shouldn't be too far away from that, from that uh, data proposition. So if you buy a property, for example, in Malolos, you'll realize that there will be people who can take advantage of their Pag-ibig membership and, uh, and take out a loan to buy your unit. No? So when you want to do that, RJ, you want to look at the way Pag-ibig does its business. right? You have to learn how they do it. You have to learn that there is an appraisal, um, uh, appraisal side to the project you have to make sure that when you sell it the price shouldn't be too far away from their appraisal because if it is then that means to say it's a big bigger equity on the part of your buyer and it might be difficult for him in the same way for banks banks have their own unique ways of uh, appraising or valuing the the house and lot no but if you want to do it of course it's very difficult to crack the metro manila the metro cebu metro davao uh, markets because they're pretty much there's I wouldn't say saturated no but all the players are there so maybe you want to do a second level city in uh, for example in later or in Bohol uh, you can do that or here for example uh, we've been eyeing Cabanatuan uh, for a long time and uh, did you know that Cabanatuan has the biggest concentration of tricycles in the whole Philippines? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because we're both from Cabanatuan, Marin, diba? Correct. So uh, you see some of the bigger players already in Cabanatuan, no? So you might want to do a city a little outside of Cabanatuan, like Palayan. Palayan, uh, yes, Palayan. Oh. And maybe do it there, no? As I'm saying, don't eat more than what you can chew. I mean, that's really a truism, eh? You cannot, you cannot avoid that, no? Kailangan talaga yung kaya mo lang. Nag-uumpisa ka pa lang, eh, di ba? That's the question. If you were going to be an entrepreneur, you wanted to start, how would you do it? So just do something that's small. Learn everything from construction to sales to contracts to rules. And uh, by the time you're finished, you might not want to be a developer anymore. <laughs> and so we, we, we would have saved you a lot of headache. That's what I'm saying. Shedda can either give you more headache or save you from a headache, diba? That's right. Uh, thank you so much, Marine, for all the, for everything that you've shared with us. So many people have learned so much. 
Um, we have, I, I have almost the whole board of Shedder listening to us here right now. For everybody else listening to us, a lot of great nuggets of wisdom, not just in terms of real estate development, but also in terms of entrepreneurship. And just remind everybody, Marin is not yet finished with giving all his uh, insights with regard to real estate development and to business. He'll be giving a masterclass for the Subdivision and Housing Developers Association uh, this coming August 19. That's the Shedda Masterclass uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. If you want to listen, please visit the Subdivision and Housing Developers Association uh, Facebook page and please enroll in this class. I'm sure that anybody, whether you're a big or a small developer, will learn so much. Uh, right now, you can see it. Uh, if you look, if Arlene Kies, latest message over here. Uh, can we just put it over here again? Coming, It's August, sorry, that's August 20, by the way. Uh, that will be join Sheda and learn valuable and hard-worn lessons in our third masterclass from good to great, a journey of a thousand miles. Of course, we've got Mr. Marine Martinez speaking with that one. Friday, August 20, 2021 at 4 p.m. via Zoom meetings. Join us at the Subdivision and Housing Developers Association page or the Shedda page. Again, Marin, thank you so much on behalf of Shedda and on behalf of the RJ Ladespa podcast. Uh, any final words for the people listening here right now? Yeah, I, um, I'm so, I've laid bare my whole life <laughs> in this podcast. I don't know what else uh, uh, can be seen, no? but anyway, I'm always happy to hear that my fe fellow Sheda members and governors are, are enjoying this. I'm sure they, they have the same lessons and they can be as great sharers more than I really. I mean, I'm an old guy, so that's it, RJ. Thank you very much to your viewers. I really appreciate what you're doing and uh, more power to you. Thanks so much. And Marin, thank you so much for your, uh, for your time, your humility, your magnanimity, really showing the way for many of us younger developers entering into, into the industry. And like you said, no, uh, the opportunities are so great in our industry. People, like, we just have to keep on telling people again, depending on who you're speaking to, 5.5 to 7.5 million housing backlog, a lot of problems to solve, but it depends on how we look at problems. Are they problems or are they, can these problems turn into opportunities or pain points for us to solve? And that's our job as entrepreneurs and as developers. Again, thank you so much to everybody for listening to the RJ Desma podcast. We will see you guys again next week. Thank you so much. Take care. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>